What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabril, and I'm with Steve. Hope everyone's doing. Uh, hope everyone's doing good. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, and we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, let me know what you've been playing. Yeah, so not not too much. Still doing a lot of that stuff I've mentioned the last couple of weeks. God of War, all those other things, kind of trophy, uh, cleaning up the trophy hunt uh, and stuff like that. So last night I did uh, complete Man Eater. I uh, I beat it, and then I was so close to the plat that I just kind of got the platinum in one shot. And uh, what I still like to say, what a rad and fun game. You know, it's a quick. I mean, I want to say ten hours. I beat the game, got the platinum, and uh, now it's I can just get it off my SSD um, and free up the, the little space that the PlayStation gives us. But still, what a fun game. I'm really glad that that was there because it's kind of it was a real big comfort food. It's sort of check, you know, it's an open world shark game, so kind of checklisting, like get all the collectibles, do this. But it was great to kind of watch the nonsensical, you know, dumb story uh, in a dumb fun kind of way. But also just like just cleaning up a bunch of like podcasts i listen to and all these other ones i get into and i was able to just kind of clear out and just like the multitask the kind of zone out and kind of just do what i want to do uh aspect of the shark game is is this uh it's really fun and that's a game i could see myself going back to way later obviously no rush to do it now especially again i got the trophies everything's completed so it is a fun game at its basis though so i still recommend that for people who at least hopefully added it to their library uh, when it was on PS Plus, because it's a it's a fun game to check out when there's like some downtime, or if you just need to cleanse the palate when you're playing other stuff. The other game that uh, I've been obviously playing my fighting games and kind of stuff like that, but the other game I tried it was on special uh, through I never bought through them through GameFly, which is that the the old Netflix sort of style for gaming. Yeah, it's like um, a rent thing. You know, or... yeah, the rent a thing. They also sell the game sometimes. Oh, okay. So they had Kingdom Hearts Memory of Melody or Melody of Memory. Melody of Memory uh, for 25 bucks. Oh, okay. You know, they had a special free shipping. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Why not? And I got this. I wanted, It's been a few weeks, actually, that I bought this. Finally decided to launch it up because I'm a big Kingdom Hearts fan. I, I kind of just need to own all the games in a form. So I got it. Uh, it sat on my PS4. I didn't even dare put it in my PS5. I put it in my PS4, and I said, you know what, I'm generally, I enjoy rhythm games, you know, I platinumed them all the Persona games, I, you know, uh, the dancing games anyway, I platinumed them the fourth one twice, technically. So I thought, well, Kingdom Hearts, and I remember trying the demo, and I wasn't too fond of it, but I'm like, well, this gotta be more content. And all the problems I had with the demo, I have still with this game. This is one of the biggest, laziest cash grabs they kind of did. Um, not in the format. It's sort of the the fact that they try to make it more a Kingdom Hearts game than, than they do a rhythm game. Um, and the issue is like, in its basis, it's still a rhythm game. You know, here's the quote-unquote line, which is Sora, Donald, Goofy, except they're not standing in line, so they're off rhythm. Um, the notes come, and you have to do different things, except uh, to just hit basic notes, uh, you have four buttons that do the same thing. Um, so you can literally almost play the whole thing with just pushing one button that controls all three uh, tracks, which is, it just wouldn't make sense. You know, in a rhythm game, if you had like a square, triangle, circle, you know what to push when. Uh, you control all three with one button until that there's two notes, which are enemies, um, and it's just very convoluted. It, the pacing's all off because 
instead of hitting things to the beat of the music, you have to hit the beat to when Sora jumps, then you have to strike, uh, you have to wait for Donald Goofy to kind of catch up, look, they'll be at the line, they'll run up, then you have to hit it, so, like, it's all off, it's really off as a rhythm game, and it's not only kind of boring to, it's kind of like a task, like, it's like, you know you hit it to the rhythm, I know these songs, uh, yes, you know, as well as you do, you know, you, you can hum most of these songs, and you know the beats and everything, so when you're playing it, and the three characters are all over the track, and they're kind of offbeat, you know, Donald, you know, Goofy, you know how Goofy runs, he runs like a weird duck, I, I don't know, it's weird, he, you know, they run all weird, <laughs> um, so that that affects the way you kind of have to hit the note, so you have to play it almost faster than it needs to be, or slower, depending who gets to hit that enemy which are the notes and stuff like that and there are some fine parts to it and there's some storylines that actually are affecting the main canical kingdom hearts timeline um obviously this is set between this is set after three but specifically after three's dlc the remind dlc um that not many people were a fan of um so it continues that kind of storyline so it's just setting up it isn't interstitial Kingdom Hearts game, but I cannot recommend this. Like, I do not ever want to play it. I thought I would go get the platinum, have fun, and reminisce. And I'm, I want to give it another shot. I don't know if I'm just being too critical of it, but I've played a lot of rhythm games. I played Amplitude, Rock Band, Guitar Hero, the Personas. I've played a lot of rhythm games, the Thea Thritrum Final Fantasy DS uh, rhythm games, and they all know that the biggest thing is input. You know, hitting the notes on the right beat. And let me tell you, Kingdom Hearts completely missed that boat. I don't know why they thought this would work this way. The freedom of it. Sora, Donald, Goofy running all over the track for no reason. Having to jump and then hit the note separately. It just really makes no sense. And it's, it's disappointing because, again, the presentation is kind of nice when you launch the game. But everything else, the actual, I guess, meat and, you know, meat and potatoes of the game <laughs> doesn't work. And uh, I'm super disappointed. I mean, I've been disappointed in Kingdom Hearts for a while now but this just really took it down to another level sounds like a so, uh, stinker award oh yeah I, I i give it i think it's the first game i'll i'll, I'll use your term this is the first stinker, stinker. <laughs> this is my first stinker I here i know you have your watchdog legions yeah here's the second neo vintage stinker award and that's kingdom hearts melody of memory or whatever i just yeah melody of memories at the end of the yeah. year we can award all our stinkers formally yeah oh for sure i'm I've never been this disappointed in a Kingdom Hearts game. Wow. So yeah, that's that's all I've been playing. What have I? What have you been playing? Okay, so yeah, haven't been playing too too much, and what I have played has mostly been actually Game Boy stuff. So uh, firing up like Dragonborn and stuff like that last week has kind of got me into just messing with my Game Boy. So I've dabbled a little bit. Like I went back a little bit into Pokemon Crystal because that's my favorite from my childhood. And uh, gave that maybe an hour or two, having a good time with that. Don't know if I'm like gonna complete any of these again. It's something I'm kind of just dabbling in lightly. Um, and then I also randomly, speaking of Kingdom Hearts, did fire up Chain of Memories on the Game Boy, not the PS2 version. Oh, okay. And it's the first time I've like really played it in depth in like a while, like a really really long time. And the only time I think I played it front to back was that initial playthrough I had on the Game Boy years and years ago, closer to its release. Um, because anytime I wanted to return back to that, that I'm more likely to go to the Chain of Memories on PS2. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's weird playing this. Well, first off, it doesn't feel like how I thought I remembered it feeling at all. 
it's the frame rates way lower uh it the aspect not the aspect ratio but the perspective of the camera is way different the layout of the rooms like none of the i realized a lot of my chain of memories like memories no pun intended are actually the ps2 ones like i don't have a lot of memories from this game boy one so it's like really weird and i don't love it but at the same time like i respect the hell out of it the fact that they were literally able to make a kingdom hearts game work on the game boy but uh, it's it's it hasn't aged great. The card mechanic is very still interesting, but it I think it gets a little convoluted, especially when you have to access certain rooms with certain level cards, and you have to use that as like unlocking keys to get access to rooms. And sometimes there's like mm-hmm. nothing in there, so you work super hard to get like a high level card to be able to access a room, and there's like nothing in there. So there are certain mechanics in this game that I'm like, thank God that they didn't like widely adopt this going forward because. It, it kind of just lives and breathes solely in this game. It doesn't it hasn't mm-hmm. really spilled over, and I'm kind of thankful for that because there's there certain aspects of it are absolutely terrible. But generally speaking, it's pretty interesting to see that approach on the Game Boy back then. And I like the little low-res uh, cutscene at the very beginning where, where you see Hollow Bastion and everything like that. So Oh, yeah. Those are rough. Yeah. Like, I didn't... It, it's not until like much year, m- m- so many years later that when you kind of fire up like the Game Boy videos and stuff like that, where you realize like how low resolution we are watching some of the stuff in, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Because I have I have actually like two Game Boy videos. One is like a SpongeBob one, and one ha- is like a mixed Nicktoons with like uh, Rocket Power and uh, Fairly Odd Parents and stuff like that. And I fired those guys up too, because again I've just been messing with my Game Boy collection, just firing things up randomly. And my God, they're so pixely, and I'm like, did I really sit there and just watch this? like this <laughs> it's just a cluster yeah. of like echoey audio and pixels and i'm like yeah that's it right there that gets it done and i remember like wanting so bad to have the sonic x and the dragon ball gt ones and i just couldn't for the life get it to me because i was too broke but yeah. uh in like retrospect I'm, I'm like almost inclined to like buy them now because they're relatively inexpensive and i just want to see how they look on the game boy it's, it's like comically bad that's that's I haven't thought about those in a long time. Well, yeah, it's kind of funny, and it doesn't really make that much sense, especially when you look at the time line when it came out, and it's like there were more than enough options to watch video on the road at higher resolutions for similar price ranges. Uh, when you consider the buy-in of how much it costs to have like a Game Boy and stuff like that, um, portable DVD players existed. Um, I don't the original iPod. I don't think existed yet, but it may have. And uh, the video iPod, I'm pretty sure, did exist in some capacity and stuff like that. So there were much higher quality options. And then there was, like, the video now players and stuff like that. So I've been, mm-hmm. like, experienced a lot of things that feel, like, really out of time lately. So it's been a weird week for me. <laughs> well, good that, that that format didn't stick around, luckily. Yeah, it, it, like, part of me almost wonders, like, how that would look. Like, if they just started selling Switch videos. <laughs> and they're just cartridges <laughs> with three episodes on there, and they're just like, "Here you go, three episodes for twenty bucks." Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming the PSP was the last one to do it with their UMD. UMDs, yeah, sort of. So I'm assuming that's probably the last time that they tried that. But uh, yeah, physical media, uh, video media is just not gonna be a thing anymore, and hasn't yeah, been for a very long time, especially for portable. Yeah, and it probably never should have been. To be honest, <laughs> it doesn't make that's any true. sense. <laughs> that's true. Especially, like, with the ability to watch things on your phone right now. Full, entire movies, high resolution. Some people have 4K phones and stuff like that. Like, there's literally nothing a handheld device could do better. 
Yeah, in this day and age, I mean, we have devices, multiple devices. I've seen people whose cars can do that. So, Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I guess we can move into the first story because that's all I've been playing. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a pretty big one. So finally, we have a brand new Nintendo Direct. It's been a really long time since we've got one. I think the last one was sometime in like September, like 2019 or something like that, I believe they said. So it's been yep. quite a while since we've got a full Nintendo Direct. We've got little drops here and there and indie showcases and stuff like that. But we got like a full 50-minute Direct. Um, and we got some interesting announcements. So basically, this is the way we could do it. We can go basically point by point. If we have a point on it or any thoughts on it, cool. We can kind of explore that. If not, we can keep it pushing. And then at the end, we can give our like generalized thoughts on the Direct as a whole. Um, okay. So, the first one, let's just start with uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. So, kind of start out with Aonuma coming out, explaining that uh, we're not going to have any Breath of the Wild news for now. uh, But it's assumed that sometime this year, they'll come back with some information about that. And Mm -hmm. so, in the meantime, funny thing enough is they've almost got an annualized Zelda release schedule. uh, Where you get something Zelda every single year. So... It's very possible that Breath of the Wild might not even come out this year, and this might be their offering for the year. Very possible. Uh, but Skyward Sword HD, something that's been rumored a long time. Obviously, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess got a release uh, on the Wii U generation, and so it looks like they're going to finally take a look at Skyward Sword. They have the traditional controls uh, with motion using the Joy-Cons, and then they have a more tactile approach using the joysticks for mm-hmm. a more quote-unquote traditional experience about as traditional as this game can get just because of the way it's made and because you know directional slashes are kind of built into the network of the game you can't just hit a single button output and slash like other zelda games it's just not designed that way unfortunately for me um but this is a, this is a game that is, has an amazing story and will be awesome for a lot of people to be able to revisit. And a lot of people have been kind of held back by the fact that it's kind of just locked onto the Wii. So do you have any interest in this? So, you know, I have an interest because this is the one Zelda game that I have not uh, beaten. Um, not including a Link to the, um, a Link's Awakening remake I have not beaten yet. But Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, like, I have not beaten I do remember playing it on Wii. Uh, my brother had gotten it, and I watched him play most of it. I get it as the prequel to what a lot of Zelda story-wise is. And I'm excited to get more back into a more traditional Zelda. I, I think it's kind of difficult because I don't know that mechanic. Either mechanic. I'm definitely not playing with motion controls because, ill. On top of that, that new the workaround, which is using the other stick. And I can't remember. I've played other games that did that using that stick to do like the directional hits and it's fine at first but when the game starts getting crazy you got multiple enemies and stuff like that i don't know how well that's going to work and how well i want to like how i want to do that so i will pick it up probably eventually i don't know if that's going to be a. it's also not my favorite zelda game from what i played so i'm not i'm interested in it for the culture and i'm glad it's here i would have rather gotten twilight again and wind waker again or something like that or a nice little collection which would have been nice, especially since it is the 35th anniversary for Zelda this year. It would have been nice to get something more than just yeah. Skyward Sword. And we we still may. You know, they could literally announce tomorrow a random Zelda mini direct. So, But I think this is okay. <laughs> you know, it's going to sell tons anyway because people love Zelda and are really dying for Zelda content. Yeah, people have been asking for basically this for quite a while. Uh, mm. A lot of people don't have the hangups with motion controls that we have. Uh, there are people who like genuinely love those kind of like weak controls and stuff like that. So this is going to be a no-brainer for them. 
Um, yeah. I don't love, yeah, the, the joy, not the joystick, um, the joystick solution. I don't love it, but it might be enough for me to be able to get to the game. I just really, I, I don't know if you remember, I tried to play this, like, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a year ago at this point, uh, broke out my Wii, I had a copy on, on disc, and I, I played this in its traditional format. And I just really found the whole thing very frustrating. Uh, the puzzles were fine. The art style was fine. The world I actually quite liked. The story was great. Um, but just the the way that action mechanics worked, and specifically stupid things that I hated, like um, the balance mechanism <laughs> where you're walking across the rope. Like it's yeah. just a lot of gimmicks that I really didn't like, and so it felt like just a bunch of barriers to just being able to play the game. And I did also have an issue with it kind of feeling a little stiff in terms of like when you lock onto something and you're slashing something, but I didn't feel like an a robust amount of uh, control over the character to be able to like roll in different directions and kind of have 360 views of my environment. You kind of lock on one enemy at a time, you kind of slash and try to hit it in certain target areas and then kind of move on to the next enemy and try not to get hit in that process. Uh, and it seems like with the fact that this is going to be locked to a joystick, you're still not going to have that kind of camera control in the middle of the battle like that, which yeah. is unfortunate and, and uh, in my opinion. But it's one of those things that because of the nature it's of its development, there's not much they can really do be, beyond assigning that to a button command or, or a joystick command and not just having it just motion. So it, it's fine enough. I'm... I might jump into it. I have to see where I am. I think... what is? Do you know when this is at for? Is this July? I think they just said July. I don't remember if it's... So, if it's a summer day. game, um, depending on where I'm at and what I'm playing, then I, I probably will jump into this. Uh, I don't know if I'm jumping into this at launch, but I do intend on giving this a shot, see what they do, and uh, hopefully I can get through it because I do want to experience this story front to back. There's just some constraints, obviously, with the yeah, mechanics. Yeah, so do I. I just don't love um, so yeah, that that's something. So far, I'm kind of like intrigued by. It. I wouldn't say a full mm-hmm. thumbs up, but I'm intrigued. Um, yeah, Mario Golf. I'm always. Oh, sorry. Go. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just uh, July sixteenth, twenty twenty one. Yeah, so, so it's it is summer. Be a summer game. Um, but I don't remember. The only thing I'm trying to think: when's the new Ratchet game come out? I would imagine around there. Yeah, I know. It was I know they gave it a date? Let me see. What date did they give it? Hopefully, I think it's June. Uh, yeah, so that's June. So yeah, they're the far apart. Okay, yeah. So they they have breathing room and everything like that. Yeah. And that, something tells me that there's not massive overlap. Like I don't think that's an either <laughs> or for a lot of people. Yeah. Um. So next one, Mario Golf Super Rush. They showed off some interesting things. A lot. Uh, for anybody who's played Mario Golf before, you saw a lot that was similar there. Uh, for people who've been thirsty for one, this seems like the game for you guys. Uh, they're giving you everything they've done before. Uh, obviously, from my perspective, it takes a little bit of some cues from like a everybody's golf kind of situation, um, mm-hmm. and it, it looks pretty good to me. It, it's kind of it's Mario Golf. That's kind of what it is. Uh, I know you're pretty excited about this. Yeah, I actually really enjoy the Mario Golf games. I mean, this goes back to playing. Well, I've played most of them um, throughout. You know, when there was, I think there was one on sixty four. I played the Game Boy ones and stuff like that. Um, I remember playing the 3DS one. I don't remember what they called it, but uh, I think Open Season or something. Um, I played that for tons of time. I also think I went on a trip or something like that, so I was on the plane a lot when that game came out, or at least when I got the game originally. So I played it. So I'm, I love it. I, I usually enjoy Mario sports games um, a lot. Um, I know the last tennis one wasn't that great because they tried to shove a lot of story and RPG mechanics into the stupidness. Um, 
just to, I guess, try to keep it fresh one. That's not really what we want. We want the hardcore, you know, mechanics that work well. So I'm hoping this doesn't go off, um, you know, off the court, no pun intended, off the course, <laughs> um, and kind of sticks to its roots. Like, I don't mind them always adding, like, a small little story element and stuff like that, but I just want to be able to play 18 holes of straight-up golf without, like, battling and without these weird boss battles that they added in the tennis game. Um, again, we haven't seen too, too much. We saw, like, the bare bones, but we I kind of want to see more bare bones. I want to see more more of the original game that's there with also i understand they want to keep it fresh but i just don't want these dumb add-ons that nobody likes well yeah that's what i was going to mention is it seems like mario sport uh, mario sports titles always kind of have to strike this weird balance of staying true to their roots and and mm-hmm. satisfying traditional players while simultaneously not making the same game over and over again yeah. and so they tend to err on the side of some gimmick something about it that differentiates it from previous ones uh, and they've even dabbled with it like for example with mario kart uh with double dash they they kind of throw different things in there to see what works see what sticks so you can see like okay so this one on this generation was the classic one and then they threw this one which is this mechanic and each generation will have its own kind of mechanic to differentiate it uh eventually probably to the point where people think it gets so convoluted that they'd like basically an up version of the original um mm-hmm. and then that seems to happen a lot so you know, from an outsider's perspective, this one looks pretty traditional, uh, with the exception yeah. for that little running mini game thingy that they added there. But for the most part, it looks pretty um, consistent with the general Mario sports theme. There's no crazy new characters, no new skin. It's not taking place in a new place. It's traditional environments, traditional characters playing traditional golf. Uh, so I would imagine for a lot of people that's going to be kind of a breath of fresh air and for some people it's probably going to turn them off to it and be like what is this any different than the game we've seen like you know three or four previous times so it's not going to be for everybody um, but it it couldn't hurt to have you know like higher resolution better performing Mario sports games there's always going to be a market for that so I'm mad at it yeah neither am I yeah next one uh, rather controversial I guess to some people uh, Mithra and Pyra, I believe it's pronounced, from Xenoblade mm. Chronicles 2, it, are coming to Smash. Uh, and I, I don't know much about fighting games or Smash characters, but what I underst- from what I understand, this is actually like one character that can swap between the two, right? If I'm not mistaken? Correct. And uh, there's always a lot of speculation about who is coming to Smash. Obviously, uh, you see the same names thrown over and over again. The big one, I think, this time was obviously Sora. It was probably thrown around the most of what people were hoping for. Um, and... I would imagine some people are happy about this, some people not so much. Um, but I don't know the general temperature on the fighting game community. Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, so I'm a little bit more in tune with that, obviously. Yeah. Um, the main issue, it's not that they're from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, because people really like that game. Um, and it, it didn't really strike me when I played it originally. I do want to go back to it. Um, I think the issue is that it they are... It's the same issue if, like, Sora was added into the game. It's just another anime-style sword fighter, and that's the the main issue. It's not that they're women. It's Luckily, I'm surprised that wasn't a thing because I actually think the game does need more women and stuff like that. I think when you have this speculation, and I I guess it's people hyping themselves up with Crash Bandicoot uh, has been a a name constantly, and then they just announced that Crash 4 was coming to Switch and stuff, so the timing seemed seemed right. You know, uh, Rayman is a constant one that especially with Ubisoft and Nintendo working so well. So when we get more sword fighters, uh, it's just very... It's like a big sigh, like, more. It's more. Like, yeah. at this point, it's just a sword fighting game. You have 
like 13 Fire, Fire Emblem, Emblem characters. Yeah. Uh, you have just, and then you have Sephiroth, Cloud. You just have a lot of sword fighters. And now they're going to give us two, a two-in-one, which is something they've stayed away from um, because of the original Smash 4 when it came to 3DS and Wii U. The 3DS couldn't handle the two-in-one characters, which is why they split uh, Sheik and Zelda and all those characters like that. Samus and Zerus. Right? And Ice Climbers was eliminated um, because they said they couldn't get two sprites working at the same time which doesn't make sense because uh they had duck hunt and dog that it's two different characters that run in one so there's a lot of weirdness there but you know in ultimate they're all coming back and stuff but they all stayed separate they didn't reunite zelda and sheik they didn't reunite zero suit and samus so why are these two characters put together and that's kind of the consensus people are like well wh- why do they get super special treatment yeah um so pe- people are upset because it's not the people they wanted um people are upset because it is I know they're a little bit different. They have gear swords and stuff like that, but they're practically just more swords, sword fighters, and that's really the main issue. When you have such a vast cast of characters that are, with their companies willing to put them in and and way more interesting and have better move sets and more uh, unique move sets, you give us more sword fighters, which is what is kind of uh, depressing. Yeah, from the from an outsider's perspective, I kind of just. But I do have investment in like who, what characters they add because it's just entertaining to me to see this roster yeah. like grow to like such a ridiculous size. Um, and yeah, just seeing this, I was kind of like, oh, okay. And I was like, I, d- I don't know what the temperature is like for this game. I know people like Xenoblade Chronicles too for sure. I know it has the fan base. I hear it's a quite good game. Uh, but I, I had no clue about like it, it's kind of like when they um, and I forget his name, but there's this random fighting game character that they just randomly threw in there that was kinda, King of Fighters. I think he's from. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, if oh <laughs> Terry Bogard, yeah, I it, again not <laughs> mad at it, but I was just like, oh, okay, well, I don't know if there's literally any demand for this, but yeah, do hey, you know, I suppose there's a fan base somewhere out there for that. Um, yeah, so yeah, yes. hey, m- more Smash characters, and I don't think this is the end of it, right? Because they announced a new fighter pack or something like that. A new oh, this is part of the same. This, this is part of the same pack. So I believe there is. Oh, really? One more. Oh, wow, they're still yeah. dropping those. This this is this is still Fighter Pack Two. Oh, okay, the first one. So I'd okay. imagine I they'd there's go out with a bang spot. with this last one. Uh, that's what people thought for the Fighter Pass One, and it was just the Fire Emblem Fire Emblem character. So oh, there's yeah. no excitement anymore. Well, let me not jinx it for you guys. Uh, <laughs> so next one, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity DLC. Not a ton of new information about that. They well, they they dropped a little still image of all the different stuff, and to me, it echoes a lot of what they did with uh, Breath of the Wild. So not really f- for me, but there is going to be additional story and characters added to the game. Is this something you'd buy? Uh, probably not. I really don't usually... For all these uh, Musou games, I usually never get the passes because it's usually just, here's another character and another map. Um, yeah. It doesn't really add anything. It's like the One Piece Warrior games. I never get the things to play as like Big Mama and stuff like that, so... It's it's I, I, it's fine that it's there for more people. Maybe one day I get really into it. I haven't even beaten the game yeah, just because the, the, that mechanic is just so tiring. Uh, I'm not in the mood to be jumping into more <laughs> more gotcha. of that uh, crowd fighting. And then the probably the next pretty large uh, announcement of this Nintendo Direct was Splatoon three. Um, so this one's a very interesting one. I, I had a lot of fun with Splatoon 2, specifically yeah. the, the story component, because uh, to me it gave me the most energy I've seen of something like a Mario Sunshine in a very long time. It was like that weird uh, water-based 3D platforming that, that I had a good time with. 
and so I enjoyed it. And the whole spraying mechanism, it felt very Mario Sunshine to me, and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, and so Splatoon 3 is a very interesting thing, where it's like, it makes a lot of sense. Timeline-wise, it's not actually that soon. It's been a number of years since Splatoon 2, so I saw some people being like, it's it's been too soon. Well, it's actually been a couple years. I don't know if the yeah. gap between Splatoon 2 and 3 is that much smaller than the gap between 1 and 2. But it is an awkward thing to see something with a very similar aesthetic, similar character design, similar environments on the exact same console uh, as the previous one. I think that's probably what makes it feel like it's been no time at all. Uh, but I had a good time with Splatoon um, 2. This one seems to keep the more grungy aesthetic that we saw in the DLCs of 2. So yeah. this one's going to probably differentiate a little bit from uh, the second one. But we don't have much information other than kind of just a little train sequence and some outside stuff. And then you kind of see this kind of hub world environment that I've seen multiple people point to different places. Some people are like, oh, that looks like Hong Kong. Some people looks uh, makes it say that it looks kind of like the Yakuza place. So there's uh, I've seen a lot of different comparisons to what that is. But do you have any interest in this game? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm actually a pretty big uh, Splatoon fan. Okay. So I, I enjoyed it. Um, the original on, on uh, Wii U. Thought it was thought it was fun. I thought it was a nice new idea. I like when Nintendo likes to do new IPs well. Yeah, instead of too. just, like, redoing it. Like, let's, you know, most Mario games are the exact same story. So, and stuff like that. So I enjoyed that. Um, so that was actually 2015. I'm looking at the dates. Splatoon 2 then released in 2017. Okay, so that's a two-year gap. So a two-year gap, and that means and Splatoon three won't be is set to release in twenty twenty two. Yeah. So it's actually gonna be the biggest gap. That's gonna be a five-year gap. Exactly. It's just weird for it to be on the same console, probably. I think it's weird that it's gonna be on the same console. Probably is what people were uh, maybe assuming. Um, also, Splatoon was just upheld with so much content for a while. Yeah. But you know, the final Splatfest, whatever it was, is what has been I think two years since they've done any real updates to this so you know i'm excited for it i, I like some of the n- little customizations and I, I see you have like a little companion now you can customize yeah um that sort of uh mad max style beginning shows that maybe continuing off the last Splatfest, which was like chaos versus order and that was the same thing with splat splatoon one the last um Splatfest was the two singers against each other. Yeah. Um, and then the winner and that the winner ended up going to popularity, and that's like was the story in Splatoon two. So that seems to continue its pattern. Um, but until we see more, I'm like, is this really more of the same? You know, in in another year, do I want to play that when I really just have Splatoon two? I'm sure the story will be actually really fun, and I the multiplayer so. you su- the multiplayer usually surprisingly gets me. Um. At least for at least a month or two until people get super crazy good at it. But I'm excited that they're continuing this. Yeah, I have faith in this one. It's been quite some time. They seem pretty receptive to feedback. And they always, I feel like, do right by their fan base for the most part. And they have a steady stream of content and new events happening for um, their their fan base in a way that you don't see with a lot of these games. Especially out of the Nintendo ecosystem. It's very, Mm -hmm. like, this is Nintendo's kind of online offering so and they do it well in my opinion so I'm, I'm not mad at it i'm curious to see i hope they don't abandon the story stuff it doesn't seem like they are that was my favorite part of splatoon 2 exactly. uh and that's what you know allowed me to keep playing it because i just loved those uh the challenges and the different levels that they offered and the, the very 
low level, not super in depth, not super lore heavy narrative, but I enjoyed it still, and I I, I love the general aesthetic of this game again because again it's it's one of the few games I feel like that evokes uh, the generation that me and you both love of that kind of like Jet Set Radio era. Uh, it gives yeah. me a lot of Dreamcast vibes, so that's why I kind of have like a, a soft spot in my heart uh, for, for sure, the Splatoon absolutely. series because it's just absolutely. it's kind of like the last one of that era, <laughs> that kind of like edgy street culture, like you know spray paint culture, like that urban scene thing mm-hmm. um, that has since kind of died out. And uh, even Sonic, why at one point was kind of like tapping into that, so they're kind of the last of the Mohicans in that regard. So I, I'm glad to see them <laughs> still doing well. Um, so next up, we got a whole bunch of ports here. We got Fall Guys, Outer Wilds, Legend of Mana, Tales of the Borderlands, Stubbs the Zombie for some, for some reason. Mm. Stubbs mm-hmm. the Zombie. <laughs> Plants vs. Zombies, Battle for Neighborville, and Metopia from the 3DS are all getting ports. Uh, so some that I don't care too much about, some that I think are very interesting. Fall Guys was a no-brainer. That's also coming to Xbox. Um, yep. Stubbs the Zombie, though. From the original Xbox. Interesting. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, so this, um, so most of these games, um, before I get into the stubs, <laughs> uh, besides besides Metopia, all these games are either already out on other systems or will be also released on other systems. Yeah. Like the Fall Guys thing. Afterwards, of course, they want to announce it's also coming to Xbox and stuff. So it's interesting. You know, Tales of the Borderlands, that just got re-released digitally um, due to the whole um, Telltale's thing. That just got released everywhere. Legend of Mana, they tweeted out, yeah, it's coming to, like, PS4 Steam and everything. And Battle for Neighbor, Neighbor, Neighborville or whatever. That released when I was at working at GameStop, which has been years yeah, at this point. Been so, so it's been some time. Uh, Stubbs the Zombie. When I saw that, I like, I looked at him like, do I know this? And I had a, I want to say I was at the doctor's, and I was, like, Googling it. And I'm like, why do I know this? And uh, so, yeah, I had to look it up. And what was the original one called? So this is a 2005. Yeah, Stubbs the Zombie in a Rebel Without a Pulse. You know, it was just wild yeah. to see that this is a thing, and it was interesting. I I don't know why it's there. Uh, I'm never mad at these weird quirky games coming back. Yeah. Um, you never know what you remember don't and don't remember. So it's it's inter- it's interesting to see Stubbs back, but. The rest of these games were kind of like, I was just like, okay, I'm not getting Miitopia, let's be honest. Nobody yeah. bought it on 3DS, I'm not going to pay $50 on Switch to do that. Yeah, I mean, I remember playing like like Tomodachi Life and stuff like that, so I did kind of mess around with some of those 3DS games, but nah, I didn't get to Miitopia. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not mad at any of these. Legend of Mana, though, the, the one thing is I actually like Legend of Mana, I like those Legend games um, quite a bit, I've dabbled in a couple of them. Uh, I I hate I hate what Square keeps doing to these games, though. Where they keep playing around with the sprites versus the backgrounds, and they try to upres yeah. the background, like, and they have the weird pixel art sitting on these weird drawn animation. It looks awful, and they keep doing this. They did it with a lot of the Final Fantasy games, especially on the phone and Steam, where like if you yep. wanted to just play Final Fantasy VI as is, like you go to buy it, and it's this BS ugly looking one that I'm like, I don't know why they keep doing this. Like they have the weird hate first pixel art that we saw in like the early 2000s. Where nobody wanted to do that, and it's like, oh, 3D is the future. I, I remember that being a thing where nobody wanted to do pixel mm-hmm. art games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like the fast forward to now, we have this resurgence of pixel art games. Everybody loves it. It's beautiful, awesome. Cyber Shadow, 
And then you still got Square, where it's like, no, we're going to draw it and make it look ugly and trash. And the pixel, uh, the, the sprites don't match the backgrounds. It's awful. And I wish they would stop doing that to games because they're messing up really great games otherwise. Yeah, for sure. At least give us the option to switch it on and off. Exactly. Yeah, hey, if you want to have a modern version for people, yeah, knock yourself out. But I don't know yeah. why they keep butchering the visual styles of games that looked gorgeous to begin with. Um the next one, Samurai Warriors 5. It's an it's a Musou game. I, I when I first saw it I was like, "Oh, Dynasty, but not it's Samurai Warriors." Never played any of these, not really my thing. It looks like every other Musou game to me, but I mean, bless Koei Tecmo, they're doing cool things over there. I know there is a fan base for these games, but it's just not me. Do you have any interest in that? No, not really. I mean, again, it's for these Musou games it depends what's the, what skin they put on it and as much as i love samurais i don't want to just do yeah samurai slash and i'll play ghost of Tsushima instead pretty much uh famicom detective club it's basically a visual novel that they're bringing to switch not much to report there i i don't think you have anything to say about that uh it's like two games or something like that do you want to play yeah that? no no i you know i looked into it after they announced it because i guess these are Famicom games that never came over here. I'm like, that's cool. I when when there's a locked game from Japan that finally gets over here, I'm sure there's a, some sort of fan base by that. Yeah, I'm not for me. That. Not for me. Yeah. Uh, we got Capcom Arcade Club uh, Stadium. Uh, as people didn't seem to care too much about this. I'm always cool with the retro collections. I'm not mad at it. They had some cool stuff in there. Uh, some really dope games. I don't know if I'm gonna buy it, but it's something that's out there for you guys that want it. Uh, they definitely had some games that interest me for sure. Yeah, so I actually talked about this before. I don't remember where, but uh, it's interesting. Um, the way they're doing it, so the actual arcade stadium is free as a download. Okay. And then you can you can buy the generations, like the decades. So it'd be like, oh. 50, I think it's 15 bucks, and you can buy the specific decade of games you want. So you can slowly, you know, get... There is a bundle. I, mean, I think there's a bundle for like 45 or something Sorry, like that okay. that ends up being ch- being cheaper. Yeah. But I do like that there's like, well, if you actually specifically just want this decade of games, it's like fifteen ninety nine, oh, and it works as an add-on and stuff like that. So it's it's interesting how they're doing it. Yeah, me and you obviously love these retro games, so eventually, I probably would like to get all of them, or you know. But it's a lot easier to just slowly buy fifteen ninety nine for a set of games, which is cool because some of these are really fun. Do the free version come with anything, or is it just the uh, the marketplace where you can buy things? I think it comes with a game. I'm okay. not 100% sure. Gotcha. Uh, next one, Neon White. Kind of interesting looking game. I didn't love what I saw from the gameplay. The, that kind of first person view is just really not my thing. But I did like the general aesthetic they were going for. The, do you remember this game? Uh, I have to look up pictures of it right now because I don't remember. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like the style. It's very cool looking. Um, I just didn't really get what it was like beat for beat but it's it, you know it's one of those things i'll keep kind of my eye on just, i just don't really get it yeah it's, it's not my thing I, at first i was like oh they got me this kind of looks kind of interesting and but by the time i saw the gameplay just not nah. um project triangle strategy first off awful name but i can't even blame them because it's the octopath traveler people so it doesn't surprise yep. me at all um I loved Octopath Traveler. Never beat it because it's just multiple characters, lots of story. It is what it is. Uh, but I had a great time with it. I am like obsessed with the visual style of that, and I'm so glad to see it back in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this one has more of like a tactics kind of feel, tactics and Disgaea, those kind of uh, battle mechanism. Uh, a little bit of Fire Emblem, sure. Um, so it's probably not as much for me in terms of like just the battle mechanics. I definitely prefer like a turn-based style. Uh, but it looks 
pretty amazing. I just, I was like dying at the, the title. I'm like, why did they name their games like this? I don't understand. Uh, but what do you think of it? Yeah, you know, coming from the title, when I, you know, Project Octopath Traveler ended up just being Octopath Traveler. Yeah. So I'm pretty certain Project Triangle Strategies is going to be triangle called strategy. Triangle Strategy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not huge into the Final Fantasy Tactic uh, games. Um, you know, I'm always, I'm more interested, weirdly enough, to see people talk about them and, and watch them and stuff like that. Um, I think this style may not be as resonant as what they did for Octopath Traveler. Especially since you've had games like uh, Fell Seal and stuff kind of do this to a whole new level. I'm curious what this is going to kind of do uh, newer or, I guess, better, if anything. Yeah. One thing I would say they definitely have the leg up in terms of just visual aesthetics. Uh, Fell Seal, amazing game. About as good as you can do a tactics game, pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, from a mechanic standpoint. But obviously this game, just that visual style is just different. Like, it just hits different. So yeah, I would imagine that's going to yeah. give them that natural leg up, too, and just that connection to the Nintendo ecosystem with uh, uh, Square. what Square did with um, Octopath Traveler. It's going to get definitely give them a leg up and get more eyes mm-hmm. on the product. So I hope this product does well, because I want to see a lot more of these. And I would love to see this become kind of a new, like with the Final Fantasy and then uh, Dragon Quests, yeah. the Bravely, the, what I'm imagining that's going to turn into. I would love to see whatever you call this franchise continue on with each game having different mechanics, but a kind of a uniting visual style. That'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Be cool. Uh, next one, we have little to no information on, but we do got to look at it uh, or like a, the logo. We got Star Wars Hunters. I mean, I'm always down to take a look at a Star Wars game, but I don't know what this is. Uh, did it say it was free to play? I think they mentioned that. I think they mentioned that. Now I'm confused, actually. But I think, so the reason I did not get excited at all is because I was like, well, this sounds like a mobile game. Uh, they did EA and and they and everyone's talked about how they were going to focus a lot of time on these Star Wars mobile games. I don't play any of those sort of uh, gotcha, collect a hero type deal. I don't know what this could be. Yeah, I think it's like a shooter or something like that. But uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that when we get more information. Uh, next one, Knockout City. It seems like it's a, like a dodgeball game or something like that. Um, they had some interesting characters for the promotional material, but the game itself to me looks like another mid-multiplayer battle arena game. Like, I just, eh, it's not for me. Uh, do you have any interest in this? Not at all. I was interested in the commercial because that's the one where they had like World of Warcraft looking yeah, guy. They had everybody. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then it's like, oh, it's sort of this dodgeball game. I'm like, oh, no. Destruction All-Stars. I was like, no thanks. Yeah, it seems more like a marketing thing than actually what you get to use in the game. Uh, World's End Club. Normally, this is probably a game I wouldn't care too much about, other than the fact that it does have an attachment to the team from Danganronpa, which is one of my favorite franchises, period. So because of that, I'm like, okay, I got to give this game a a chance. Uh, From a gameplay style, it looks very different. But uh, from just a general character design and layout of the game, it, it definitely evokes that exact same energy. And because it's that team, I don't know who the writer is for this, so I don't know if it's going to have a lot of that kind of weird, campy, despair, dark, edgy kind of vibe to it that Danganronpa has. But I'm definitely going to check it out just because, again, it's attachment to Danganronpa. And because those games are so good, something like this, I would imagine, would pretty hit pretty good too. Uh, do you have any interest? Yeah, obviously, being such a huge fan of those guys as well, I'm interested in it. Again, it looks a little bit more chibi and style like that. I think this is out on... I I know it's out on, like, Apple Arcade, but I don't know if it's out in Apple Arcade in America yet. So I think the Switch may be the the sort of gateway into this into uh 
over here into the to the west. But I, I don't know. But I'm interested to see what it is because Danganronpa caught me by surprise, and I love those games. So who knows? Yeah, definitely. Uh, next one, Ninja Gaiden Master Collection. Um, yeah, the moment they showed them, I was like, oh, a Ninja Gaiden Collection. These 3D ones are like not my cup of tea. I vastly prefer the 2D ones, so d not for me. Uh, they're like brutally difficult. So, <laughs> good luck to anyone who wants to jump into. If you mm. if you like them Souls like challenge and you're done with Sekiro and stuff like that, yeah, give these a shot. Good luck. Um, but yeah, they're brutal and uh, got a lot of respect for these games. But it's just not my era of Ninja Gaiden that I like. Uh, would you play these? So. Uh... At first, when I saw this, I was like, man, I would prefer this on other consoles. This is coming to PlayStation and Xbox as well. Okay. The only one I'm good at is 3, because 3, they made a whole lot easier. It's way, oh, more, it's a whole, it's way more Devil May Cry than it is Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2. Gotcha. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just kind of don't know. I was like, do I, I won't be able to beat 1 and 2. And do I, I own 3 already, like on 4 consoles, because it keeps being given away for free, so... Gotcha. Yeah, I see it on Xbox all the time, so... Yeah. Uh, and then the last one that actually kind of interests me is Saga Frontier. I love those PS1 uh, sci-fi RPGs when they're playing around with that, and so I definitely am interested in this. Uh, whether or not I jump into this is entirely dependent on what the price proposition is for it, but hey, if they offer, you know, 15, 20 bucks on Switch, I'm not mad at it. I'll give it a shot, because I love this this era RPGs. Uh, do you have any interest in Saga Frontier? Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested in the whole... In the saga games in general it's always been weird because i always get them very confused and stuff like that because saga frontier was um i think one of the first ones i played but yeah depending when and how much it comes out i definitely will give it a shot yeah if they drop the full 60 we're not doing that uh but just yeah, no, when, whenever i see like the visuals kept as is and a decent price proposition i am mad at it especially from that era mm -hmm. it makes me like want them to bring back like a uh, star ocean and stuff like that there's a lot of amazing games from that era that i feel like they can uh play around with so i'm, I'm always happy about uh old older ports like this as long as mm -hmm. the price proposition's right exactly so we'll, ha we'll have to see all right so that was it for the nintendo direct the first nintendo direct and like i, I follow a twitter account it was like 500 and something days Jeez. hopefully it's that, not that long last... till the next one so it better not it better not be <laughs> um they won't be able to use COVID as an excuse anymore but uh, we got some, some new rumors and some new stories. So Konami and Silent Hill, which has kind of been a thing now for a while, uh, ever since the whole PT situation. But uh, we got some interesting Konami news slash rumors this week. Video Games Chronicles has asserted that Japanese publisher Konami plans to outsource its Metal Gear Solid and Castlevania franchises for other developers to use. And this really comes off the back of them reworking and kind of telling people that they're still kind of focused and will have a focus in doing uh, video games so any new entries in the two series are years away from now but bosses at the company are said to be more open to the idea of letting external teams work on the ips following the poor performance of metal gear survive and control rogue corpse and those games are both terrible they but they're lucky they didn't release while we were doing this because they'd get some yeah. stinkers for sure stinker awards <laughs> uh yeah they would get oof, metal gear survive uh, they also suggest that Konami might be preparing two different reboots of Silent Hill, with one already in development at a Japanese studio. Uh, Bloober Team, developer of the medium, could potentially be working on the other, with CEO Piotre Babino confirming that the studio has been working on a horror IP from a very famous game publisher, uh, gaming publisher. A video game chronicle reports that Konami previously approached Until Dawn developer Supermassive Games to develop a Silent Hill entry, but plans fell through and the deal was never signed. 
So uh, some interesting stuff, all kind of good news uh, for Silent Hill fans. Um, and I guess Metal Gear, we'll, we'll see what happens with Metal Gear. I think Bloober Team, maybe, I'd be interested to see what they can do for a Silent Hill kind of reboot and stuff. Like what can Silent Hill do in their hands, especially playing off the medium. Um, while some a lot of, a lot of the stuff I had issues with that game, but a lot of the highs were pretty high and interested in that format. I would have really loved to see a story-based Silent Hill come from Supermassive. Um, that's obviously way. That's probably never going to happen now. But I would have loved to see that. So how how did you take this news? Yeah, a very interesting. So obviously the medium team makes a lot of sense. Uh, Bluebird team, I guess their name is. Because um, mm-hmm. I think both you and I both made the comparison to Silent Hill once we started the medium. It definitely gave that very similar energy. Uh, so that doesn't surprise me at all. It controls very similar. Obviously, they're inspired a lot from that era as well with that kind of fixed camera kind of look. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, with them outsourcing plans to other publisher or other developers, I'm not mad at it. Konami doesn't seem to have full investment in actually producing high-quality games anymore. So them allowing their IPs to go outward, um, I'm not mad at. However, be very careful with who you give those things to. Um, mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid, obviously, and a massive franchise with a very high standard, you know, quality standard uh, because of those Kojima days. So they got to be very careful with what they do that because it's naturally going to be compared to a franchise that is damn near perfect. So be very careful. Um, and I would say the same with Castlevania. Um, it's very near and dear to my heart, obviously. That's probably my favorite franchise of all time. Uh, and I just wonder what Konami and the teams that they're possibly talking to have an interest of doing with Castlevania. Uh, are they looking at Bloodstained and they're like, okay, so the 2D direction is what we need to tap into? Or are they looking at the Lords of Shadow era and be like, we might be able to get that right? I don't know. Um, and that, for me, is what's going to kind of make it break it for me. I, would, I don't like the Lords of Shadow games, but I know some people do. It's really not my thing. So depending on what they choose to do with Castlevania and what they see the future of that being uh, will kind of make it or break it for me. Obviously, the show, killing it, amazing. I would be Mm -hmm. surprised if some of the narrative structure that were set up during the show is doesn't bleed into this game in some kind of way you know what i mean like the game like the show was inspired by the classic games which these new games i would imagine be uh inspired by the show kind of bringing it full circle so um i I hope to see good things from the castlevania in the future and i just hope that they give it to the right teams um preferably i'd like a bloodstained like like look at symphony symphony and night and maybe mm-hmm. find a good team to be able to play around with that. I'm thinking maybe go to the guys. Um, you know the, the people who made Blasphemous? Yes. I'm thinking if me, hey, if I'm just making a new Castlevania game, I'm going straight to them. Those guys are no freaking joke. Either those yeah. guys or the guys who made Dead Cells are like ridiculously good. And they know how to do sprite art. They know how to do uh, Metroidvanias like nobody else in the modern thing. So I ain't mad at it. And then, obviously, if they want to do 2D, there's lots of people who they can, you know, go talk to for that. So, I'm hoping for good things. I'm curious to see what they have for Metal Gear Solid. I'm curious if they're more interested in a reboot of, like, the, to remake one would be strange because, obviously, there's Twin Snakes. So, it's technically already been done. But mm-hmm. I guess they could do it again if they wanted to. Uh, are they, con- like, interested in cr- continuing that story that Kojima set up? I don't know. There's a lot of baggage that they inherit from that Uh 
Every, I mean, everything down to who's voicing Snake is a controversial thing these days. So it's it's a tricky, very delicate balance for them to to do. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of like Silent Hill, uh, yeah, the Bloober team makes a, a lot of sense. Personally, if I want a new Silent Hill game, I'd like the other one to go to maybe Tango, um, just because the yeah. Evil Within is just so yeah. amazing. So I feel like they could absolutely destroy a Silent Hill game. But I understand for many logistical reasons why that would never happen. But that's who I would go to uh, for it. So those th- that was basically my thoughts. Uh, I'm happy for it right now, but it's kind of like uh, I'm waiting with bated breath to see where the, the catch is. And I want to see who they choose because I could also see Kojima giving it to a really like not great team. I could also see that happening too, uh, knowing Kojima. So fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, so I guess we can move on to the next story. This was quite the controversy, and I just wanted to mention it really quick. There's not, we don't have to spend a lot of time here, but, uh, we spoke last week about the return of the canceled FPS Six Days in Fallujah. So it's back in the news this week. According to Six Days in Fallujah's publisher, Victoria, they recently, the recently resurrected military FPS based on the real Iraq war battle is not attempting to make a political commentary about whether the war itself was a good or a bad idea. And naturally, that kind of like centrist, apolitical approach is not resonating with a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. with something as controversial as the Iraq battle. Because at this point, we're looking at things very retrospectively, uh, with kind of like um, kind of, with hindsight, pretty much. And so this has disappointed a lot of people who feel like an apolitical approach is a bit tone deaf and misses a unique opportunity to explore different perspectives and tell the story of the real human costs of the war, uh, specifically on the civilian front. We're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of civilians dead in this conflict. Uh, so I'm going to link down below a Twitter thread by Rami Ismail, who offers a very unique perspective about this. And so I wanted to uh, put the story in there because last week we did speak about this. Uh, basically on a just a, like releasing the game logistical style, mm-hmm. not so much on the the story itself. But I felt like to be kind of like fair and balanced, we should offer both perspectives. And there are people who are very not happy about this. And it has nothing to do with the actual performance of the game itself uh, and, and the actual yeah. like, gameplay. And more to do with what they're choosing to do narratively. And not so much about it being objectionable to show war uh that actually happened in real time, but more so because they feel like they're being insensitive uh, to the other side. And I felt like that was a perspective worth exploring. So uh, did, did you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, it, it was interesting enough because when I saw this back in the sort of news head, it's like when you come out and say that you're not making a political statement with your with anything, not even a game, but in any project, oh, I'm not making a political statement with this, that is a political statement in itself. Very so I much. thought it was kind of... Uh, talking in circles trying to just kind of calm people down i think they would have been better off just not saying anything releasing listen we're sticking to the vision that we had and we're sticking to the message that we had whether it be a political commentary or not just stay just stick to your vision stick to which you know you're not resurrecting a game this later it's this you know so late now to take the same nonsense again so it's 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 an interesting story that shouldn't really be in my opinion yeah it's it's like one of those things where they are trying to take an apolitical stance obviously because they don't want to get in trouble and they don't want to deal with the blowback uh it gives me very much like ubisoft vibes uh they 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 kind of straddle that fence too um Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things that when you're dealing with war and military-based things specifically in america with what the military industrial complex is and i'm not going to get too political with it 
uh, when you make media around that without the full context of what actually happened or what the human cost was or what other people's perspectives are or what actually happened when you just try to tell this story from one perspective and for the sake of not wanting to be overly political you don't explore the other side you're basically just creating creating basically like military propaganda at that point which mm-hmm. in and of itself is a political statement so it's exactly. one of those things yeah. where you can't take a, an incredibly hot button issue that has real world implications right now to this day for many many people americans included who maybe have family members on both sides uh affected by this conflict um you can't just kind of sit in the middle of that and throw your hands up and put your hands over your ears and be like we don't we don't want to get in trouble we don't want to take a stance on that it's like well you chose a really hot button issue (laughs) to to try to be apolitical about so uh if you want do something like battlefield do something like um like call of duty does but to choose a very hot button issue like this or that's like trying to make a game about the Vietnam conflict, and it's like, yeah, we're not going to explore the civil rights stuff, and uh, we're not going to do the political part of it. It's like this, like it's an inherently political conflict. So yeah. there's no real way to hand. play that middle zone. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So no, uh, yeah, I figured it was worth mentioning because that that's uh, something that's kind of going around on on Twitter quite a bit, and I felt like it, it's important to offer both perspectives. So if you want. Um, if you want, go check out the link down below, and there's a whole long thread that explores uh, his ideas, and I think he kind of sums it up really, really well. And some people agree with him, some people disagree with him, but that's kind of the nature of the discourse, and I felt like it was important uh, for us to at least highlight that. No, absolutely, it's something that we didn't need to discuss, especially since it kind of continues off what we were worried about a little bit last week. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, last story for today: the canceled N64 game Dinosaur Planet has leaked. Uh, Rare's canceled game Dinosaur Planet, which would eventually be overhauled and released as Star Fox Adventures for GameCube, has leaked in its original state online. The game was planned for the Nintendo 64 and much of its DNA still exists in Star Fox Adventures, hence the game's major difference from the rest of the series. Um, Shared by Nintendo historian Forest of Illusion on Twitter and spotted by uh, Video Games Chronicles Dinosaur Planet is fully playable via this leaked version. Though the account said it won't run perfectly on emulators, the build seems to be from after Nintendo had already decided to mix in elements from Star Fox. As you can see, one of the screenshots of the main character look, it's, it's you know, it's its Fox McCloud. We can be honest. Yeah. Um, but the game was still called Dinosaur Planet at this point. So I guess this was the transitional stage. Um, so the I looked a little bit more into it, and the guy who leaked it, I don't know if he's officially out there that he leaked it, but he says he just bought the game off, I believe, an Australian collector who had it on a disc oh. um so so it's not like it was like stolen it wasn't the guy i don't know who this guy had he had it on a disc put it on the computer but obviously ripped it and it'll start making the rounds and it'll soon be available everywhere um it's it's interesting i'm curious i haven't looked at much of the screenshots besides the screenshots from the certain articles i haven't like looked at gameplay of it i'm curious how much is just star fox adventures or how much star fox Adventures just is this canceled game um, so I'm, I'm just kind of interested in that little aspect of it. I'm not probably going to play. I didn't like Star Fox Adventures <laughs> that much um, due to the fact that it wasn't a Star Fox game um, because of this weird transition. But uh, history-wise, you know, we we, heard, we knew this, that dinosaur that Fox Adventures was this canceled dinosaur planet game. I don't think we've ever seen, like, screenshots. And now, basically, the game is out there. Um, so it's, it is interesting to see history-wise. You know, Rare is such a weird company. 
that I'm surprised. I don't even know if they've even made jokes about this yet or if they're going to try to take legal action. Who knows, because it's been so long that I don't even know if they have any stakes in this. But, you know, for history and collecting-wise, it's really cool to see what the original idea was that morphed into Star Fox Adventure. So I'm actually kind of excited to, to look into this. Yeah, definitely. And the funny thing is, like, Star Fox Adventures has always had that kind of, like, Mario 2 energy of being, like, the whole reskin with Doki Doki Panic type situation where you could tell, like, at one point it was something else and then it was turned into this. Uh, So, yeah, Star Fox Adventures has always kind of stood out as kind of a different thing uh, than the rest of the franchise. And you could tell that came from somewhere. So it didn't surprise me at all to get a little bit more information and kind of look at it. Uh, But... I mean, yeah, just looking at the footage, it's very much a game of that era. Uh, not really my era, so I'm not going to really jump super hard uh, to ch- check out a lot of these games. Uh, and I don't really, I don't think I even have a working emulator that would be able to run this. I only have really mm-hmm. uh, Super Nintendo and uh, NES emulators so I can play like untranslated games that never got brought to the States or whatever that I can't find on cart or whatever. So those are the only emulators I have, so I won't be able to play it, but I'm going to hopefully be able to find some like video material so I can take a better look at uh, what they were trying to do in this game. But, uh, I, like, listen, I don't play a lot of those N64 games, to, to be honest with you. Anybody who knows me knows that. That's not really not my my era. I, like, goof on that era a lot. <laughs> so, uh, looking at these games, like, I could have sworn, I'm like, I, I don't know, is that Banjo? It, it all looks the same to me, so... <laughs> I was, like, looking at the tree, and I was like, is this not a game that came out? Okay. It looks like one to me. Uh, Yeah, it was pretty much, from what we saw, it was very furry Legend of Zelda. Is this Conker's? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so if you're interested in any of the any of this game's footage or anything like that, we're going to link the story down below so you can be able to check that out. But I figured, tack on the story, since uh, the retro show hasn't been going on or anything like that, we could do a tack on the stories here and there. So um, I guess we could jump into a pretty fun, loose topic that we're going to be able to do. Yeah. Um, So we're going to basically be able to take a look at the Switch four years later. Uh, And there's a couple reasons for that. So uh, this was released back in March 3rd of 2017. uh, And so... Within a week or two from now, we're going to actually hit the four-week anniversary. So I wanted to give us a chance to be able to kind of take a look back and offer our thoughts about that. And the main reason why I wanted to do this story, additional to the anniversary coming up, is the fact that I randomly decided to go on Wikipedia. And I was like, you know what? How much has the Switch sold at this point? Uh, Because I haven't... um I haven't checked in on it for quite a while. And as according to Wikipedia, as of right now, they've sold 79.87 million units, which is like, ho- like holy crap. I had no clue they were that high uh, at all. And so I kind of pulled up a map of, or not a map, but like a list of the million selling game consoles. And so right now it's sitting right under the PSP. So it's past the 3DS family, uh, which okay. was at 75. So it's right below the PSP, which is at 80 to 82. So it's guaranteed that it's going to blow past that. Um, and so you get the big jumps pretty much between the PS3 and the Wii, which jumps from 87.4 to 101. And I feel like that is going to be the major hurdle uh, for the Switch to clear. Like, could it sell another third, you know, 20 million units? Most likely, yes. Uh, especially the fact that it sells like a handheld. But uh, I felt like it was worth taking a look at this past generation of uh nintendo has had which was a lifesaver for them because it remind you you know coming off of the wii u they were in rough shape uh but they always had like kind of like a massive pool of capital to be able to survive on so it's not like nintendo had an existential uh existence kind of 
in danger, but there was a lot of talk about whether they have to go third party after the Wii U was such a flop. So seeing this console succeed at such a high uh, percentage is a really interesting and like a pretty amazing thing. So uh, your thoughts on the Switch, just generally, what, what are your thoughts on the Switch? Yeah, I mean, so the Switch, you know, before it released, um, even after I snagged my pre-orders, you know, I was worried. I was like, I don't think this is going to be the lifesaver it needs to be. I'll be honest. I was a little negative on it. I said, because all they were hyping up at the time were ports of Wii U games, rumors of GameCube games that most of them never even appeared, and things like that. So I was like, well, what's what's going on that this is what we're excited for, to play old Nintendo games? You know, um, obviously, and I, from the get-go, I thought the control scheme was okay. I'm not huge into motion, but I'm sure, I, I remember the first day I got it, obviously I messed with the motion controls and stuff just to test it out. Um, I had to, you know. Um, but immediately I was like, well, all right. So once I got the Switch, I remember looking at it. And I had a handful of games at launch. I think I got one, two Switch for some reason. Or I think because I, I had to get that bundle or something. But I remember playing Zelda. And then I think I had Bomberman at the time. Yeah, Bomberman. And I remember, so I remember after my first sit down with the system, I was like, all right, one, two Switch. I was like, yeah, I'll probably never play that again. <laughs> um, but and, and I was like, all right, Zelda's fine. But I'm like, man, this is also on Wii U. And then I remember playing Bomberman being like, oh, this game's okay. And I was like, is this what the Switch is going to be? Is this going to be a Wii U thing again where we get one game that's super solid but really not worth getting just one system for? So I was worried. Um, here I am four years later, you know, technically on my second Switch um, just because I, I got the one with the newer battery. Um, we, we, needed, we got a second Switch because Animal Crossing. My wife wanted to play Animal Crossing, so we I opted in to get the newer Switch. <laughs> Um, so here I am, four years later, and really surprised on what this handheld did. Not only did it really save Nintendo, it kind of brought Nintendo back to its forefront. Yeah. Because it, it was just never the whole era of Wii U. And I didn't get a Wii U at launch. I got it like a few months later because um, I didn't know the system. I didn't know the system was out, um, which is all speaks to this. And now you look, you know, during the pandemic, people were just, just scraping and going everywhere to try to get switches because of the variety it gives us now they still do make some questionable choices i know especially at the beginning that at the beginning it was weird because we were getting just kind of shovelware all over the eShop and stuff and i'm like man there's no real con crowd control i'm like is this going to just be a nintendo tablet and luckily they kind of reeled that in now we're getting some good ports and we're getting some good stuff um so i was glad f i'm glad that i was wrong that this was not just a sort of final goodbye to Nintendo hardware in a sense where it was really the thing that helped resurrect them and kind of put them back on the map for me. You know, my mindset had switched so much to PC, Xbox, and PlayStation where I was like, I don't need Nintendo because um, I was like, even Sony's getting into some platforming stuff that's better than some Nintendo games. Um, gladfully, that kind of, that mindset left me and I'm glad to have the Switch part of my little gaming family now. Yeah, definitely. And, it, you know, it's it's one of those things where I guess my perspective on Nintendo was a little different coming into it. Um, so after the GameCube, pretty much, I was kind of turned off of Nintendo consoles to begin with, specifically home consoles, not every every offering. And so I only really was dabbling, as far as Nintendo goes, with the handhelds. Uh, didn't play a lot of Wii, and I certainly didn't play a lot of Wii U at all. So I kind of fell off the home game market, and I only focused on the handhelds. And I loved the DS, and eventually the 3DS. I didn't love the 3DS at launch, but uh, 
eventually it turned into something pretty amazing. So by the time 2017 rolled around with Nintendo basically fusing those markets and it effectively being a handheld that can play the home console game experiences, I was completely sold on it. I was like, okay, this is exactly what they need to be doing because to me, as far as handhelds go, they hadn't missed. I mean, the original Game Boy, classic. Yeah, and, and and certainly there's like specific you can be like oh the, yeah the Game Boy Micro didn't get it done but come on stop um, <laughs> yeah the Game Boy Color they snapped Game Boy Advance perfect SP one of the best designed handhelds in my opinion to this day uh, the DS 3DS so like they killed it every single time so the idea that they were going to be able to take a handheld game and be able to play those high quality Zelda experiences the next 3D Mario first year on that console. Uh, I was absolutely sold, and and once it came out, they they proved me right pretty much. I, I figured this was going to do well. Uh, it's it's selling way faster than I thought it was going to do, so, which is a good thing because the whole conversation was: is it going to sell like a home console or is it going to sell like a handheld? Definitely selling like a handheld, no doubt about that. Four years in, about a hit mm-hmm. eighty million, um, for sure. And I'm looking at the home game consoles right now. I sent you a link, uh, and this is what filters out the handhelds. Once you take a look at that, it's sitting below the 360 right now, which is just, like, you know how long it took them to get there? That came out in, like, 05. So, like, 05 to 2013. Um, So, yeah, it makes me wonder, like, where is this going to sit? I doubt. It's definitely not going to hit PS2 numbers with 155. um, But it's certainly, um, it's definitely going to hit 100. And I wouldn't be, it's probably going to easily pass the PS, the PlayStation, in uh, the Wii, so I'd imagine it'd sit somewhere between the PS4 and the PS2, if I had to guess, um, in terms of just console sales and stuff like that, which will put it pre- pretty much around uh, like the Game Boy and Game Boy Color numbers, be- which I don't think should be fused because the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy are not the same thing, but that's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 1989 and 1998, a little different, Nintendo, but okay, yeah. that's fine. That's, uh... But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I was just really impressed by this console. The games have been phenomenal. Uh, I would say the release schedule has been a tad uneven. I think, uh, like, Sony, for example, has done a better job at, like, having a steady stream of stuff. Where I feel like Nintendo go, like, crazy. They went crazy 2017. They had a solid 2018. Things dried up in 2019. They had some big things in 2020. 2021, we don't know what it's going to look like. So it's very uneven. Uh, They very much front-loaded the console, which made 100% sense why they did that, why they put Zelda and Mario the first year, because they needed to gain that momentum coming off of the Wii U. Uh, They needed to get this console into people's hands and prove that, hey, Mm -hmm. Nintendo's got something to say uh, this generation as opposed to previous generations. So it made sense why they kind of like blew their load that first time. Uh, But yeah, no, I'm just really happy to see Nintendo back in the conversation, especially when I was so turned off of them these past two generations. Uh, where they were just not in the discussion for me personally. Uh, where and, and they had great games during that era. I mean, that was, the Mario Galaxy was a thing during that time. Uh, Smash Brothers Brawl. So there was great games during that era. But um, with what PlayStation was doing, what Xbox were doing at the time, I just didn't have space to deal with Nintendo at that point, outside the handhelds. And I'm just mm-hmm. so glad to see them back at the forefront where you'll talk about like the highest quality sony experiences like ghost of tsushima and last of us but right up there with them you people are throwing up animal crossing right there which like who would have thought mm-hmm. that an animal crossing game could be in the game of the year conversation next to like a last of us it's pretty crazy uh, to see yeah. what nintendo's been able to achieve in these 
past few years. So I'm really, really happy about them. And I just felt like we had to give them a little bit of props. You know, four years in, I think they're absolutely killing it. And a lot of people had a lot of crap to talk, myself included, about Nintendo, especially that last generation. And for them to do this major turnaround is very, very impressive. And uh, it's kind of changed my view on Nintendo in a way that it's like, just don't count them out. You may not understand what they're doing at all times. I certainly don't understand what they're doing in terms of like virtual consoles stuff. I don't get it. But I don't count them out because they always find a way to kind of like crawl back from what you think is obscurity and just murder again. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this outsells a lot of what like Sony and Xbox have put out, period. So Yeah, yeah, no, it is interesting, especially when I'm looking at the list right now. See, I could easily see the Switch, um, especially if they do introduce a Switch Pro or whatever they call yeah. it. At some point they will, which as that revision will easily get this past yeah i'm thinking at least until playstation 4 numbers where you're at one 150 you know 114 million i don't know if it maybe i don't know if it'll surpass that i think it really just depends on how long the switch itself lasts um you really never know when nintendo they always for some reason think they can keep two families of systems existing yeah. uh for a long time they said the switch wasn't going to replace the ds and obviously that's out of the question so We'll, we'll see how long, you know, Nintendo lasts. I'm glad it's done so well. I'm glad that they've fixed themselves, fixed a lot of third-party relationships and stuff like that. It is a little concerning that some of the stuff is still, like, the virtual console, the online connection, uh, the pricing where they think everything needs to be $60 even if it's a 10-year-old game. Yeah. Um, there, there is some issues that they still have, and I'm hoping they start to fix that soon, but... If it keeps selling at this way at this rate, and we keep buying it at these rates, then probably not so much. Um, but that's Nintendo for you, unfortunately. They're their own wild animal right now. Yeah, definitely. There's like quality of life improvements that we definitely would love from them. But in terms of just the games themselves, at the end of the day, as long as the games aren't suffering, I mean, there's not much you could say about it. You know what I mean? I have a lot of critiques of Nintendo, but at the end of the day, when the, if they're putting out high quality first party exclusives, I mean. There's not much I could say about that. And so I'm looking exactly. at the sales. It's that DS and PS2 numbers, man. The, the, once you get to that 154, 155 million, I mean, that's really, really tough to sell. I mean, we're talking about twice, double what they've sold right now. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to pass Game Boy. They're going to pass Game Boy Color. But I think it's going to probably sit somewhere between 120, 130 million. My guess. That's my projection. What do you think? Mm-hmm. What is your projection for the Switch? My projection, uh, probably the same. I probably see him getting probably at most. I'm probably seeing that 120 million. Yeah, 120. Um, we would put them right above Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Um, I just don't think. I think its biggest spike was going to be the pandemic area. So I, this you know Sony had something special at PS2. At this was a way to get DVD players yeah. into homes. Where this Switch is a really situation. Is, yeah, where Switch really is just a gaming console. You know, so it's not like it's. Uh, being the big thing and then ds being the just i mean you had celebrities tweeting about the ds yeah. and you know, t- real touchscreen being brought in it's like i don't think the switch has that sort of gimmick especially when you know we don't know we don't have specific switch versus switch light numbers and stuff what really is selling most and we'll have to see because i've known a bunch of people who are like well i couldn't get a switch switch so i just got the switch light because i don't want to play motion and that's a fair you know a fair option so yeah but that that would be my guess. Yeah, and we're operating under the assumption that the Switch Pro does eventually happen, or not a Switch Pro, but something upgraded like that. 
okay. and they can extract another you know four years out of it which i don't think is ab- wouldn't by nintendo standards is not that abnormal that makes it closer to an eight-year life cycle uh, which i think is fair um I think it's pretty understandable that with like a pro model or something upgraded like that, especially if there's some degree of exclusivity in terms of like games you can only play on that. Uh, as long as they don't DSI it, I could definitely see them, yeah, hitting that 120 mark or something like that, extracting, you know, 50 million more out of it or, or you know, 40 million, which again sounds like a lot, but over four years. I think yes. they could do it. I think they could do it. So uh, hoping for success out of them, and I'm I'm just so curious to see what becomes of this generation for them and what does it turn out to because again where a generation begins and where it ends uh are they're always so starkly different so i'm just curious to see what the switch ecosystem looks like once it's all said and done once uh all those you know exclusives are out once we get breath Mm -hmm. of the wild 2 once mario 3d mario comes back in some capacity uh once we can finally get stuff like a bayonetta once metroid finally shows up um what that ecosystem looks like and I would imagine the first-party IPs, they can't... I'm, I'm sure they're not done. So I wouldn't be surprised if you get something related to ARMS coming back. Maybe they And maybe they get it right this time. Uh, yeah, not that they messed up ARMS too, but I liked ARMS, but it left much to be desired. So who knows? Maybe they come back with ARMS. Uh, Splatoon 3 could be an absolute hit. So there are a lot of potential for this ecosystem. I have a lot of faith uh, for Nintendo to be able to deliver. So, yeah, good loose topic. Yeah, yeah, no, the Switch is a... Uh... What a wild card the Switch is. Yeah, who would have thought? Who would have thought after the <laughs> Wii U that Nintendo yeah. would be in the position they are? But, I mean, that's the game industry. It's just the rebounds. I mean, for every PS2, there's a PS3 that happens. For every 360, there's an Xbox One. The weird things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what happened to Sega after the Genesis. So, like, anything yeah. <laughs> can happen. You know, you play your cards right, you reap the rewards of it like Nintendo. You play your cards wrong, you end up like Xbox and Sega. So, things, weird things can happen. And um, I'm glad to see Nintendo doing well. So that was episode, I believe, 44 of the Neo Vintage yeah. podcast. So we're we're getting up there. We're about to hit that big five zero, half a hundred. So I'm I'm excited about that. And there's going to be some major change within these next few weeks within the the game industry and everything like that. So I'm I'm excited about it. For sure, we're gonna have some good content to to start really pumping out. Yeah, definitely. So till next time, this is Jabril, and I'm with. Steve, hope you guys enjoyed. And this is the Neo Vintage Podcast. See you guys next week.